You know what that sound means. Welcome to the most interesting part of your day. An exciting episode of the Metaphysical Mysteries with your intrepid hosts, Dr. Terry Trubla and Tom Greenhall. Always finding the seekers in this world and reporting it directly to you, the free and the brave. We encourage all of our fans to check out our website at www.themetaphysicalmysteries.com where we have more content and reference items, links to many of our amazing and cutting-edge guests. We are excited to have you with us again. And as you know, this is the must-do podcast for anybody who is anybody in the metaphysical field. We cover everything from ghosts, UFOs, Bigfoot, amazing healing sciences, and leading technologies that are simply the coolest. We'll bring in researchers, doctors, and authors, and give you content that you cannot get anywhere else. Check out our latest merchandise and proudly wear and use the Metaphysical Mysteries clothing and accessories. Now, on with our next episode. Good day, everybody. Hey, this is Dr. Terry and Tom, and we are here with a psychic medium and beyond that, a ghost hunter, uh, and beyond that, from South Dakota, and uh, beyond that, she's going to talk about some spiritual awakening. So if you've never had that experience, we're going to kind of delve into that. We'll hit touch base on some of the other things. And so we have with us uh, Danny Joe Butler from South Dakota, mm-hmm. as opposed to North Dakota. It's South Dakota. It's warmer yeah. there. <laughs> so Danny, hey, thanks for being here. Hey, thanks for having me. Nice to be here. Well, you know, when we talk about these um, spiritual awakenings, I mean, you have a huge background. I don't know if you want to give a little bit of your background so people kind of know who they're getting advice from. So if you want to hit us with some of that, that's great. And then we'll kind of go into spiritual awakening. Yeah, absolutely. So I've actually been working as a professional medium for about 10 years. I um, had my own spiritual awakening and uh, it was with another medium who kind of showed me the ropes with things. And since then, I've kind of gone in a lot of different directions. I thought I was just a medium. And turns out I've learned how to teach people to heal. Um, I do age regression healing, past life regression healing, uh, spirit releasement therapy. I do life guidance and mediumship readings. And what I'm really kind of focusing right now is teaching So I've been doing a lot of classes along with writing. So I'm writing my third book currently. So it's a little bit about me. Fantastic. And we all met up down in Florida, right? Yes, that was amazing. Good state to meet up in, warmer than all three of our other states. It was. (laughs) Even that was um, a experience. We kept crossing paths till we finally had a chance to talk. Yes. It was inevitable. Mm -hmm. It was amazing. (laughs) Well, fantastic. Uh, Let's talk about spiritual awakening for the listeners. I want to say that, you know, there's a couple of different definitions and people use a lot of different words for this. Um, I I like to talk about the Kundalini experience uh, in a little bit different setting than just a spiritual awakening. I mean, the Kundalini experience, at least for me, if you've had one, your life changes, You, you get turned inside out, and you are totally one with the universe when it actually occurs. So a lot of people think they've had one, but that only happens when you're 
higher self says it's ready, you're ready for it. Um, people do a lot of meditation for years. They do all kinds of things to try to have this Kundalini experience. They do Kundalini yoga and you can't really force it. I mean, people say you can, but I don't believe you can. I think your higher self has to say, I'm ready for this. And, um, you know, but then, you know, even after that, or even before that, kind of like a car idling, you know, you're, you're starting to get some spiritual awakening things start to come in. And then maybe that Kundalini experience will occur, you know, after that, maybe it occurs spontaneously. A lot of people are having that happen, but I want the listener to understand it's two different things between an instantaneous, spontaneous Kundalini experience, and then the awakening that you're, you're going to talk about. So I'm going to leave it at that. I'm going to turn it over to you and let you kind of teach these folks that are interested in this field. Yeah, I feel like, you know, it's kind of interesting because I actually just commented on a Facebook post this morning about Kundalini awakening. So it's Mm -hmm. kind of funny you bring that up. But you know, what I what I mostly see with people is we're living a life unawakened, which means we're just going through the motions, we're focused on our job and our poor me experience, uh, for the most part. And what happens is people start to get a feeling that there's something more. And this is what I kind of call that time when they're becoming awakened to spirituality or the fact that there's something more than just this everyday life. And a lot of times it's a client coming to me asking if they're crazy, um, if something's wrong with them. And of course, I always reassure them that we're all crazy. We're, we're all normal. Uh, that's the normal way of being is to be able to know that there's something more, whatever that is for them might be a little different for each of us. And so it's kind of like spirit tapping them on the shoulder, wanting them to remember that they have a soul purpose, that they have more to do here than just live their life, go to work, raise their kids or pay their bills. And when they, when they figure that out, there's a lot of questioning who they are and what they do next. And people don't know where to go with that. I think that one of the most important things that I share with people is that spirituality is individual to each of us and that they're going to find their path and purpose um, probably differently than someone else. But the most important thing is working on our forgiveness, doing meditation and becoming uh, self-sufficient in our um, being alone. And when they start that, then they usually find the direction that they want to go um, as far as what they're going to do to help other people or to heal themselves. Gotcha. You know, you, you mentioned meditation there. Yeah. And a lot of people don't think they can meditate. Well, I think the thought they have is they got to sit in some Eastern religious position and have their fingers in certain positions and stuff. And they may, some people may do that, but you can meditate on a bicycle. You can do it out walking. You can, you can do it virtually anywhere. Um, and then people say, well, I can't clear my mind. And I, I tell them it's kind of like a, a blackboard. If you have a, like a chalkboard at school, if stuff starts to come up, just erase it. And then it comes up again, erase it. And it comes up again, erase it. Pretty soon it'll start to get zero and zero and zero and and even if you have you can't stop the monkey mind totally you can slow it down set it off to the side take the little you and put it on the shelf and try to focus on your higher self but um it's honestly i think when you start doing it it almost becomes rote um or automatic if you will do you have any suggestions for people that want to get into it because meditation seems to be an open door to, to get into this 
Yeah, I think, you know, what spirit shows me is meditation is the top healing tool that was given to us to heal ourselves. And so it's something that everybody should learn how um, to do for themselves. And it can be different for everyone, walking meditation, staring at a candle flame, watching a campfire. I mean, all those things are meditation, but that's where people get hung up. I can't quiet my mind. Well, you're not supposed to quiet your mind. If your mind was quiet, you'd be dead. Like that's the only way it's going to happen. Exactly. But I tell them it's like sitting in the eye of a tornado. You witness everything that's happening, but you're not engaging it. So you just don't be affected by everything that's going on around you. You still just kind of find that peacefulness in it. And so, you know, everybody should try different forms of meditation. If you're a beginner, I recommend uh, guided meditations because as you are listening to someone, your mind will naturally quiet itself down. But there's a lot of people who can't do that. I have clients who are afraid to close their eyes. So I tell them, find a spot on the floor and allow yourself to just relax, you know, focus on your breathing. But I think there's a lot of misconceptions about it, about meditation. But um, if you find what works for you, it can be life-changing. Yeah. You know, I got, I was out in Sedona and I got the opportunity to work with some advanced stuff, technical, technological stuff. And what it was, they blacked your eyes out, you know, and then they put earphones on you, but the way, and they had you lay down and so forth. And they actually stimulated your visual cortex with audio input. Mm. So you were actually seeing third eye stuff in a very fast form. And, and you were in a kind of a meditative state and you, you would go higher and higher and higher and, and, you know, dimensions and so forth, seeing all the uh, sacred geometry and you could see future events and stuff, very cool stuff. Um, sometimes I think technology, um, it can be really helpful if it's the correct stuff. Uh, some stuff you pull off the internet, Lord knows if it's correct or not, if it's gonna mess you up. But uh, any thoughts on any kind of technology that might be helpful? I think what I have found most for myself is that sound, and vibration are huge uh, when it comes to healing and meditation. Uh, just for instance, talking about sound, uh, we use singing bowls in our work. And I was working on a client who had a very stubborn attachment. And my daughter just started using a really high vibration singing bowl. And instantly that, that was done. But as far as like meditation goes, those vibrations take us to different levels um, energetically. So I do think there's a lot of technology that can be great color and sound. And you're right, the internet has a lot of stuff you wanna stay away from. I have a really hard time finding anything uh, that is recorded that I can listen to. Um, there's a couple that I recommend and I listen to my own stuff uh, often because I it relaxes me. But yeah, I think, you know, there's, and there's some great apps out there. I think you can find some great apps that have great uh, meditations as well, but you should be choosy, especially the, the long-term overnight ones. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, sure I you know, as a master hypnotherapist, I, when I'm dealing with my clients, a lot of times I might make them a custom tape just yeah. for them because I know what their issues are. And so they can go to sleep listening to that. And uh, they're used to my voice and I can turn on the hypnotherapist voice and it will put them to sleep which is exactly where i want them to go and then their subconscious mind will continue to listen and but it's going to be on issues related to their problems and uh, i think that's been pretty helpful down the line tommy you got anything on that 
yeah, I use the technology because I, you know, have some challenges sometimes quieting my mind. You know, I joke about it. You know, the squirrel cage is always spinning. And um, using a device similar to what Terry described with the laser lights in the audio together. And a uh, person says, oh, try it. It'll relax you. And I was in a public area with a lot of people around. I'm going, I'm not going to relax in this setting. And I think about six minutes later, I was probably drooling. It just settled me right down. It was So it is effective if you get the right tools. Yes. Absolutely. You know, the Monroe Institute years ago did a lot of, lot of study on that uh, to take people into different mindsets. And I know various uh, governmental entities with the three letters uh, use that technology, you know, so you can take both sides of the brain and, you know, get them synced up. So hemi-sync is what they call it. And I think that people would uh, certainly enjoy doing that. Uh, and that's available now is going to hemi-sync and uh, get that get that accomplished. So, so let's, let's move on from there. Let's say you've been meditating for a while. What's other things we're going to be looking for in a spiritual awakening that people can anticipate? Well, you know, I always like to tell people it's not all rainbows and butterflies, right? So they think, oh, I'm having a spiritual awakening. This is going to be fabulous, but it's not because spirit is going to bring up all of your stuff that you need to work on. And so it can feel, you know, a little bit like a, a dark time, but it's not, it's just kind of like a snow globe. We've sh shook everything up and now you need to deal with all the things that are trying to settle again. And so, you know, dealing with your healing, um, friends and family members will maybe drop away. You'll have new people come into your life, finding different avenues of coping, you might decide your job is not where you want to be. So it's kind of a, a bit like a midlife crisis, but it's all for the better. And if you can keep focused on the fact that everything's going to change, but you're going to find a better path, you know, it'll be okay. But people get a little bit panicked. I often have people who book a quick session and they're like, everything's, I don't know what's happening. And we sit down and we look and we say, well, everything's still happening. You're getting nervous. And you're not recognizing that you have to trust what you know is going to be okay. They feel like they're taking a leap of faith and they don't know where they're going to land, which is true. But we have to trust that our wings are going to carry us where we need to go and that we're not just going to fall and hit the ground hard and die, right? It's going to be okay. Um, so there's a lot of things that happen with the spiritual awakening. And I think a lot of people don't believe in themselves. And that's the biggest thing is how do I learn to trust my intuition? How do I learn to trust the feelings that I get? Nobody ever taught us to do that. Correct. You know, um, I, since I do ministers work as well in the Bible revelations, um, Edgar Casey has a really fine uh, breakdown of revelation and revelation describes a spiritual awakening that within a person. People oftentimes are taught that it's some outer thing that's happening. Casey took the approach. It's an interior thing, seven candles, seven chakras, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. So um, it's one man, meaning accredited to the apostle John, his journey in, in, the, in the spirit. He says so. He was in the spirit. So he was meditating, in other words, and he had all these revelations within that meditation, which was subsequently put to paper. And I think people thought he was prophesying 
uh, the world events, when in fact, I believe it was, and Casey does a great job with this, that it was interior within the individual man, woman, whatever the case may be, uh, and their ascension in a spiritual awakening setting. So if you read it from that perspective, or really I would encourage people to go to some of the Edgar Casey materials and you could really get a good sense of what that what that's all about. Interesting. Yeah, I actually have a couple of books on Edgar, Edgar Casey that I haven't read yet. And every time I hear his name, I think I gotta go back. I gotta go read those books. Yeah. I, um, I know yeah. that he's been recommended uh, by a few different people, a lot of uh, great information. Yeah, I think there's some YouTube videos out there. The Macmillan ones, I think, is the one I, I would recommend. Uh, not not some of the others. Some of them are, you can pick up on it, should have some discernment, pick up on it pretty quick, that it's a little nuts. But uh, that, those seem to be pretty much right on target. And they give a good visual view of what he's talking about and break it down. Now, you're going to have your more fundamentalists that are going to you know, absolutely think that's straight up you know, not right at all. And that's, that's their choice. Uh, but looking at these kind of things from a broader perspective, if you're in spirit, what are they going to talk about? You know, they're going to talk about spiritual things. And that's certainly your ascension as part of it. And everybody goes through that at their own speed. So yeah, Tom, you got something? I, yeah, I, it's interesting how different people have the different paths and the way they're describing the way they're going. You know, some people feel like they've lost their mind or, you know, others are like, what the heck just happened to me today? Uh, can you explain this to me? And I'm like, eh, sometimes yes, sometimes no, it's your path. You've got to figure that whole thing out. So I guess that's probably the message at this point today is, you know, the individualism of the experience. You know, what is it for you and how do you interpret that? Yeah. You just sparked a memory for me. So I'm going to share this. Um, this was actually a little bit of my spiritual awakening. So before I met the medium that kind of helped me realize I was a medium, I was going through some health issues. And for three years, just ongoing stuff, Mayo Clinic, maybe lupus, maybe uh, MS, maybe autoimmune. They just couldn't figure th anything out. Tests would reveal stuff, but never anything concrete. I was at my wits end. I was literally sitting on a hospital bed in the Mayo Clinic with my husband and a whole team of doctors came in, stood at the foot of my bed and said, you need to go home and see a psychiatrist. Wow. And I was devastated. Like no one is hearing me. Something is wrong with me. Right. So long drive home from Minnesota. Uh, we didn't talk at all. My husband just held my hand. I cried the whole way thinking, I'm not going to a psychiatrist. I don't want to see a psychiatrist. That's not my answer. But I went because it was their suggestion. And I remember sitting there with the therapist thinking, I should be helping her. Why am I here? So I didn't go back. And what I did was I actually started using essential oils, tried to start decluttering my life of stress and problems. And then just a few short months later, had the meeting with the medium that kind of opened the doors for me. And as I looked back on all that I went through, I knew that everything that I was experiencing that was physical was actually spirit trying to connect with me. All the feelings of feeling like my heart was racing, like I was going to pass out, like something was wrong. These were all the signs of them trying to connect and me not knowing that. I actually sat in a neuropsychiatrist, neuropsychiatrist office 
I can't remember if that's his official term, but anyway, he was a very nice man. He put me through all these mental tests. And at the end of it, he said to me, I could give you a medical label today that would change your life, but I don't feel like that's what you need. I just encourage you to go find a different path. And I was like, that man would have labeled me schizophrenic and I would have went on medication and we would not be here having this conversation today. Yep. Yeah, Tommy, that's in your room. You want to talk about that? Yeah, it's so often that people walk down that road. You know, it's the sad part of the insurance agencies, you know, industry rather. If you have you have to give someone a label within like 10, 15 minutes of seeing them if you want to get paid. And so I know in my clinical work, I do everything in my power not to give someone a label to your point. You know, it's just this stuff going on in your life. Let's talk about it. You had a bad day, series of bad days. Let's figure it out. You know, some sometimes the label is appropriate, but it's not that often. Yeah. You know, it's just the traditional teachings which need to be updated for sure. You know, the allopathic medical field is not taught any of this spiritual stuff. And they should be because they're going to run into this situation over and over and over again. And they just defer it into psychology or psychiatry. And, you know, everything and people know this, everything starts in the spiritual then goes into the emotional body and then eventually into the physical, if it stays there long enough mm -hmm. and they're all the way at the third, something stayed there long enough to manifest in a physical difficulty. We need to back up the ladder and start where it all starts in the spiritual and then work the emotional situation. And then the physical will resolve itself. And I, I feel like that's missed, but it's coming on strong with uh, you know, podcasts like this, uh, people who, who deal with clients that have these kind of issues, as long as the AMA doesn't stick their nose into spiritual matters that they don't know anything about or try to stop people from doing that. Um, I think we need to hold on to freedom of religion because this is a, I see it as a religious view of how you, you know, relate to the creator and, and so forth. So some states will inevitably who like to go out and grab onto power and try to control people, they will eventually attempt to do this. And I know some states have already had it. Yeah. You know, the other thing we probably should talk about along this line is people flip that script the other way. Yeah. Where they feel, and Terry knows some of the people we've worked with that truly have a mental health issue, but then they try to hide it under spiritual growth and such when um, that's not the solution, you know, to say I'm meditating and I'm better is not the answer. You know, unfortunately, the hard work behind that for some people needs to be done still. So it's a it takes a skill set to determine which is which and try to figure that all out. Yeah, and there are there are ways to do that. But if you're not trained in the ways to do that, <clears throat> you know, I had a guy who thought he had uh, he had a demon attached to him. And I since I'm usually doing remote stuff and I got to go pretty down and dirty pretty quick to figure it out. What I found out was he had, you know, multiple personalities. And because if it was a demon, they would have known things, but this supposed demon didn't know anything. It's a complete idiot. And it was actually him and he had serious difficulties. So we transferred him to both a psychologist and a psychiatrist for assistance because that's what the problem was. And so there wasn't demonic attachment at all. And so anybody who's got ethics and we will have a, uh, we're gonna have a lawyer on the podcast to talk about ethics in this field 
uh, it's important that you follow quality ethic, ethical control and make sure that you don't continue to, if you're in this field or any other for that matter, uh, doctors, same thing, you know, you start taking money and money and money and money and money and nothing's happening. There's, it's, you got to change that up and you got to make it, you got to get them to somebody who can assist them. And if it's not you, God bless, it's not you, send it to somebody else and give them a try. So that's, that's always an issue. Yeah. Absolutely. So one of the things you also talk about and you do, and this kind of relates to some of these things we're talking about spiritual stuff is your, your ghost hunting or paranormal investigations. Um, tell me about that and how that works in your, in your function, your life. Well, it was kind of funny uh, how this came about. Actually, I um, a few years back, I had a client reach out to me and ask me if I would come and do a reading at her home. And I don't always do that, but I agreed to do it. So went to her home and as I sat down to do her reading, there was some strange things about her house. And I just started telling her, you got some stuff going on here. I was like, I hadn't walked through her home. We were just sitting in her kitchen, but I was like, there's a closet upstairs that feels really bad to me. Anyway, so she said, yes, I have some things going on here in the home. So I started kind of telling her what I was picking up on, who was there, um, what they needed. And she uh, disclosed to me that she had had a paranormal team come in and that they had found some evidence of, of haunting. And I asked her, did they provide you any solution? And um, she said, no. And so anyway, I, I kind of uh, gave her some tools and left there thinking I should just reach out to this paranormal team. You know, if we could work together, they obviously can provide the proof. I can provide the solution. It, it would be a great team. So I reached out to Black Hills Paranormal Investigations and um, they emailed me back and said, yeah, let's let's meet. Uh, we met in a Burger King, which was really funny because there was a religious group there that were really uncomfortable about our subjects. We were talking about getting lots of over the shoulder looks. And um, anyway, we agreed to uh, do a trial investigation together and we went back to that same client's house. I didn't realize they were putting me under a test. But that's what they were doing. And um, I guess I passed the test, obviously. They had never wanted to work with mediums because they had had a lot of people say, I'm a medium, I'm a medium, which, you know, they couldn't provide any proof um, or uh, good work behind it. So we started working together and I've been on the team ever since. We've actually been able to do a lot of house clearings and um, help people with those kinds of things over the years. And, uh, it's become a blessing for me. I, you know, I don't charge for any of that work when we go on the black Hills paranormal investigations tours. Um, if we do portal closings or house clearings or whatnot, it's just part of the investigation. It's a nonprofit. So we just go and do our work and, uh, I love it. My daughter's also a part of the team now and we work together. So yeah, I, I get a chance to do that too. And my son's part of that group. So I get that generational stuff. You know, um, you talked about portals and for the listeners are going, what the hell's a portal? So explain to them what a portal is in a house or building. Yeah, absolutely. So there are energetic openings that go to different realms, I guess, for the best way for me to describe that, which means spirit good or bad can come through those openings so like a doorway and they can be opened in many different ways through Ouija board use or people's spiritual practices not knowing what they're doing uh, lots of different ways and they're kind of like a 
Um, if I could describe it in the way that I feel it when I'm walking, the ground will feel spongy to me. And then if I tune in, I can see what looks like a pond area. If I'm walking through it and it's an upright portal, it will feel like a cobweb that I've walked through or the tingling hair on your neck stands up. And so when you have an opening like that, you obviously have things coming through that that you don't want coming through. Uh, they can also uh, open a portal through a mirror. These can be a gateway. Um, I'm sure there's other ways as well, but that's what I've mostly found. And so my daughter and I have a great practice of closing those down through visualization and prayer and words and drawing uh, symbols. And so we usually do that together, just sitting on opposite sides of the, the portal. Um, we actually did a portal closing at her home. She bought a, a small home here in Belfouche and we were doing a live investigation there. Uh, just to show people what an investigation is like. We had a spirit box going um, where it was talking, spirit was talking through it. We turned everything off, but we had a recorder going. And so we sat down to do the portal closing without viewers. This was kind of a, a thing that we just needed to focus on. And on that recording, I had said to, to the spirits that were there, if you came through that portal, you need to get ready to go back into the portal. This is your, your warning notice. And a male's voice on the recorder, which we listened to later, said, F you. And we were like, holy crap. But there were two male spirits that had to be kind of bound back into that portal and closed down. Right. Um, I, for the most part, have never had people have a portal reopen, except for one experience where there's a very strong portal because there's a water source and the stones and the ley lines. There's just so many things that are complicated there. And it had reopened and the homeowners did a lot of research and were able to teach themselves how to close it back down, which was amazing. But yeah, absolutely. And so for the folks that are having these issues, having the proper people in, you know, and you're going to stumble around in the dark because they usually are not in the yellow pages <laughs> and you get on the internet, you might get a Yahoo rather than somebody who's legit. Because a lot of legit ones, uh, so not from what I've seen, don't advertise. A lot of it's word of mouth. People legitimately know this person or this group can come in and do authentic work. And, and that's really challenging. So um, if somebody is in that kind of difficulty and they're in your region in South Dakota, what would you suggest they do? Yeah, I think, you know, sending us an email uh, or giving us a call at the Sacred Soul Shop, we can definitely, I often will give people an option, like I can tell them all the steps to take, um, or we offer those services to come out and do that as well. Um, but you do need to do your research. I've had people say to me, and I'm going to go out on a limb here and say, um, we've had, I'll say religious clergy and spiritual healers come in and we're still having problems. And what I find is if someone is not intuitive enough to see what they're doing, to know that spirit is gone or that they've closed a portal, they come in and do their practice, but they're not aware that things are still there. Right. And so if you did have a religious clergy in, they're not able to tell you if that something is gone. Right. Um, so there's a misconception that all spiritual people or spiritual leaders are able to do that work and, and they're not because if they can't tune in and see you know the demon in the in the basement for lack of better terms right they're not going to know that they have something more to do there we we actually spent two hours in a house 
trying to clear this dark energy because it had this crazy little path where it would go from the basement through the vents up to the upstairs closet. And we could not get, we actually had to separate. And that sounds crazy. Like, why could you not just do the work and get it to go? But we had to do the right thing in the right amount of time to get that thing to go. And if you're not aware of that, things will stay. Yes. You know, and for the listener, they need to understand just because they can't see it doesn't mean it's not there. It's like the wind. You can't see it, but you can feel the effects of it. And if you think of it that way, now, when you bring people in who can see using third eye or sometimes their natural eyes, um, you gotta, you gotta give them a chance to do their work and, you know, trying to move somebody from one point to another, because Tommy and I both come from a law enforcement. Sometimes you just got to put them in an arm lock and escort them out. And that's just, they're going to be kicking and screaming the whole time. And it's no different uh, when you're talking about entities from the other side. Um, Now, my, for the listener, there's, I would consider levels of entities all the way down to the worst being demon, demonic, and then moving up to just, you know, dead folks that haven't crossed over and so forth. What, what kind of classification would you say that you've run into or you believe exists? I think that um, we probably see more human souls that haven't crossed over than demonic energy. I think that's a much more rare circumstance. However, I think what happens to these souls that don't cross over is they're in this dark realm. So they become a lot like a dark energy. And so people think that it's a demon because they have a lot of power and they can do a lot of things. Like we had a client whose baby was pulled off the bed, but it was just a human soul. He had been stuck so long, he took on a negative form. Um, So I think that there's much more human souls that we deal with than demonic, but demonic is out there. I often tell people, they ask me what percentage, you know, and I say, my guess, best guess in this particular case, about 85% of the people cross over through the light as people normally talk about, maybe about 15% don't. And they're in what I call the gray. Um, oftentimes they kind of have blinders on and they're looking this way. They never look up or down. And they're also listening to darker entities telling them, don't go to the light. It'll burn you. They, I mean, I've heard all kinds of stories. And so I feel like they usually have a reason to be there. They're, they're connected to that. They're earthbound for a reason. Uh, there's communication they want to do. There's an action. They want somebody than they should have done when they were they're just lost and and they're also afraid i see a lot of um we run into religious deceased religious people who believe they're going to go to hell because they've taught that craziness for so long and then they get there and they're like really scared to make that step through and so it's kind of like do as i say not as i do kind of situation and so sometimes you have to actually put up blocks and barriers around a house and around a property to keep those folks out and we've even accidentally um put a barrier up and trapped one inside and so one of our psychics this guy was trying to leave and he couldn't because there was a barrier up and so we got called and said, hey, can you lift your barrier? I said, hold on, I'm going to give him three seconds. So I said, here we go. One, two, three, lifted the barrier. He goes, whoosh, gone, boom, barrier back, you know, like that. Uh, and that resolved the issue. 
but he was trapped on the inside. So people go, is it effective to put a barrier up? Yeah, it's effective. You can trap them in or trap them out. So make sure you clear your stuff first. And uh, in that case, for whatever reason, we thought we'd had it cleared, but then this one dude was there. How powerful we are. That particular dude, he came up behind one of our people and the person was psychic enough to see behind him and saw what it was. And then he wanted him to touch him so he could get more information because they'll touch you like on the shoulder or whatever. And just as he touched him, he kind of turned like this. And when he turned, the energy from the psychic just knocked this thing all the way through house out into the driveway. That's how powerful we are. People don't realize how powerful we are. And so they're pretty um, scared of what we can or cannot do. I mean, you're a little spark of God. So that's kind of powerful stuff if you know what you are. Oh, it's amazing, right? I um, I, This is what happens a lot of times when we're going to work on a client's home or a client that has an attachment is chaos starts to happen. People fall downstairs, people get in car accidents because those entities are like, oh no, like this yes. is my exit point. So they try to prevent um, that from happening. We actually just two weeks ago did an investigation in my store. We were getting ready to take on a new member to our paranormal team. And so we did a practice investigation for her there. And we have a lot of spirits in the store that are just friendly. So they give us a lot of activity. Anyway, we were, we had a part of the team downstairs and I was upstairs and they got on the radio and said, send Danny down here right now. Something's wrong. So I get down there and all these words are coming through the spirit box saying, um, get out. We need help. He's coming, things like this. And I was like, what's happening? So I sat down and I just closed my eyes and instantly this, I would call her a dark witch started coming towards me from the ceiling. And I just instantly put my hand up. And when I looked up, she was pinned there and I looked at my hand, like, what, what? Like that was magic. That was magic. And then I was like, you've always had that power. You have always had that power. So I just had my daughter get some salt. I pulled her energy right down into that salt. And we just kind of encapsulated her there, went on about our, our business. But the crazier thing was I asked the spirit box who sent her because I knew the spirit box said her name. And everybody was like, who's that? And I'm like, ah, doesn't matter. Yeah, that's that's crazy. And, and you know, when you do a lot of this work, you get a reputation on the other side. Yeah. I, I had one lady call me and she had a problem there. And I said, okay, and it's going to sound arrogant. I know it does, but, but you've got to work within the scope of what you know works. Confidence and arrogance are two different things. And I said, tell them if they don't leave, Terry's coming. Boom, gone. They haven't had any problems since. And that's, I've had that happen multiple times, you know. And in fact, I even had one lady who was trying to text me that she had a chandelier that had been swinging for 45 minutes, about eight inches swing, you know, and she'd been trying to tell it to get out, get out, get out. And she texted me, hit send. At the moment she hit send to me, it went dead still, dead still. And then you know, so what I'm saying is, yeah, if you're working in that field and you're legit, uh, that's going to happen. They, yeah. like you said, they know you're coming and oh my God, they're scrambling because it's their exit out. They're going, you know, the bouncer's coming to take you out of the bar. Time to go. Yeah. You know, so pretty cool stuff. It's amazing. My daughter, 
I would call her, I mean, for lack of better terms, a witch. She uses a lot of magic practices and um, anyway. So she's kind of like my sidekick on everything that I do that is clearing, right? And we went to, um, we took a group to Wyoming and there was a dark entity there and we had 24 people in a room and we're doing the spirit box session. And I knew I had to clear this entity because everyone was freaking out. We had no, we had not anticipated this happening. And the spirit box said, your witch can't help you. When I had just said to Brooke, I need you to start drawing symbols and um, blows my mind. Like, oh, yes, she can. And you know, she can. Like, here we go. Right. Yeah. If they're talking, they're lying. Yeah. They're, they're trying to intimidate you because the the fear is a weak link. And if they can create a weak, weak link, you don't have power. Right. Yeah. And people need to know they need to come in with a really high vibration. And if you're going to go do this work, you really need one of the, be one of those people who can stand in the light and know you're in the light, know the power of the light. And when you walk into that, you know, there's an old saying, you know, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, right? I'll throw them evil because I'm the baddest SOB in the valley. You got to have a mindset like Absolutely. that. You know, you're not, not trying to be heretical. You're just trying to say, that's what you want to do. Um, and I believe that most people who get into this do it for the right reasons and they have developed their own skill sets. Some are, you know, more advanced than others. Some are very simple and, you know, people like ritual and rituals, as I've always said, is a way to focus your mind and your energy. It, can you do it without ritual? Absolutely. If you have the ability to focus your mind instantaneously and boom, and you're done, you absolutely can. But ritual gives folks a sense where they can also participate. So the actual practitioner probably doesn't need much ritual, if any, but they'll do it for the good of everybody there that's watching and helping. So they can also focus their energy, which makes it even more effective. At least that's my take. I think that people need to learn a process. It's how people have always learned. And so I always tell people, I can go anywhere without any of my tools and be effective in anything I want to do, a mediumship reading, a healing, a clearing, but our tools are just like um, the bonus material, right? So if you have those things, they're going to give you another method, but also for other people, they need that to learn how to do something. I could just walk in and clear a space super easy, but for people, that doesn't make sense to their mind. So they have to see a process of how does this work? And to be honest, there are a few spirits and entities out there that are pretty powerful. So sometimes you need those extra things that work against them. Absolutely. Yeah, certain tones, vibrations, music, I can really just irritate the crap out of them and, and, and it weakens them before you come in and even do the work, you know? Uh, so that's that's fascinating. Tommy, you got something on that? Um, yeah, Danny, I just had a question maybe for the audience. You've mentioned a few times the spirit box. Could you explain what that is to the listeners? Yeah, absolutely. So there's a lot of tools we use in paranormal investigating, but one of our favorites, and it's a favorite for uh, watchers as well, is called a spirit box. There's many different versions of this, but essentially what it does is it's like a radio. And so what it does is kind of skips through stations really quickly and essentially, if you're having spirit communication, they can manipulate that to spit words out. Mm -hmm. 
So sometimes you'll get garbled junk and you realize there's nobody communicating, but there are times when you will ask specific questions and they will give you specific answers. How many people are in the room? Three. And they'll just go on and on about communicating things that shouldn't be coming through the box. And so uh, it's a really fun tool to use. Uh, I will tell people though, in paranormal investigating, don't get involved in that unless you know what you're doing, because that will open doors to things that you don't want to open them to. So if you have interest in it, make sure you do your education on how to use them properly and safely. Is this something you designed or is this something commercially available? Like can someone go to Amazon and buy commercially available? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Our, um, I, was oh, sorry. I, I, use, I use a spirit box I had for 10 years or more. And then I don't use it for me, but I use it for the clients. And, and then also the ghost meters and uh, various other uh, incendiary equipment. I mean, you've got your uh, laser uh, thermometers kind of thing, you know, take temperature readings in different places. And, uh, you know, the spirit box drives me nuts because it's sitting there on static most of the time. You know, you got to figure out if you're going to go AM, FM, you're going to go 200, 300, 400, you know, what frequencies you're going to go. I don't know what you guys normally use, but uh, some work better than others. And I think it also depends on the spirit itself. Yeah, absolutely. I can tell when they're spirit around and they're not communicating, they choose whether or not they do. It's it's not like you're always going to catch them. But um, ghosthunterstore.com is one of the places we buy a lot of our equipment from, and I think they have them. They're not very expensive, actually. The way that we actually use them uh, to be really effective is that we'll do a spirit box session. So we put one person with headphones with the spirit box in a room where they can't see us. And the door's open, but they can't hear us because that spirit box is so loud. Right. We'll ask questions and they'll say what they're hearing. So it's kind of like a blind spirit box where you're having really good communication sometimes and they don't have a clue. They're just spitting out the words that they hear. Exactly. Exactly. So when it, for the folks listening, what she's describing is, let's say we get one person on the spirit box with the ear earphones on there typically got a uh, maybe blacked out, maybe even a blindfold. And the other people, two or three other people are asking questions of spirit. And when the spirit answers, since the person is desensitized, except to the audio hooked up to the spirit box, they're actually then repeating that out to the investigators that are asking the question. So in other words, it's almost like a little bit of a medium chip. It's running through you electronically, and then you're spitting it out to the team so that they can confirm or you know rule out whatever it is they were going to do now it doesn't always work but uh, and some people you see on tv when they're doing that and you know they might be there four or five hours and we get you know two minutes of of good communication so uh i don't want people to think i'm going to buy this and then and first off i agree with danny don't be buying this if you don't know what you're doing and then secondly um if you think you're going to just all of a sudden instantaneously have communication, that's very rare. You're going to, you're going to have to sit there for quite a long time and, and coax people into talking because it's no different than talking to it like a shy kid. If they don't want to talk, they're not going to talk. They don't have to. And that's, that's part of the issue there because you can spend hours and hours trying to do it. So we're a psychic medium you know, a properly trained psychic medium can come in and see, okay, there's an entity, this is an entity, that's an entity, you know, we've got three in here, and here's what they are, one's male, one's female, and they're all dead folks, there's no demons here, just dead folks, and uh, here's their issue, here's the problem, it, it saves you so much time, uh, and, and, and moves forward, I don't know if you can comment on that, Danny. Yeah, no, I agree, I, um, 
People should not buy paranormal equipment unless they really know what they're doing because it's fascinating, it's exciting. But we had a client who was doing that in her home constantly and she just kept conjuring up more spirits, like attracting them, right? Because she was kind of open to it. And I told her, you've got to stop doing that or you are never going to be clear of these entities in your home. But um, it can be, it can provide a lot of uh, clarity for people that need to know what is going on if you're using it properly. We had an, a complete hour-long communication with spirits in a haunted hotel, and we were able to uh, ascertain what they needed and how they had gotten there and all kinds of stuff about them through that communication, which again, a medium can do. But for the majority of the people there who are not able to use their spidey senses, right, um, this is effective and helpful for them to kind of be included in the conversation. Yeah, absolutely. I talked to one on a, actually it was a ghost meter. We kind of did it that way um, for 45 minutes and found out he was uh, where we were staying. He was killed in a car crash on the highway adjacent to us. And uh, he really had some issues and some communication he wanted to get to certain people and so forth. And the worst part about that one was it was years and years and years and years ago. And I didn't know near what that, what I know now. And uh, he ended up riding home with us a partially home and, and I, he was getting on our cell phones and he was texting us and things of that nature people go, can they do that well yeah they can do that absolutely because uh then what i did was i knew somebody back in that town i said listen i'm going to transfer this guy back to you if you're willing to take him and work with him so and so i told him you know how he wasn't going to be here we're going to go back to so and so and so i sent him back and we hadn't had no problems since uh with that particular issue but that was so many years ago but i remember that's part of the learning curve um and you will experience that even people teaching you you're still going to have these learning things and you're going to have to figure it out yourself in a lot of cases absolutely yeah fascinating stuff isn't it yeah so you do um switching gears here we're kind of winding down but you do psychic medium work do you want to uh you want to work on two training dummies uh tommy and i yeah absolutely if you can get anything worthwhile for us absolutely let me just tune in a little bit here i'm going to tune into tom first okay <clears throat> probably get a lot of static <laughs> So um, I'm going to say this. I'm not sure how it kind of plays in here. Um, there's a little boy around you and um, I'm going to come back to him, but he's been, I've seen him with you since we've started. Um, I don't feel like that little boy came into this world and lived a life. So I feel like he would be a pregnancy loss for someone. Um, and I definitely feel like he's around you. So it could be a child for you or a sibling for you um, or a nephew for you. I'll come back to this, but I want to bring through the male that would be um, either a father or grandfather figure who would have had a uh, passing of the chest. Gives me a lot of pain in the chest. There would have been something going on heart or lung related. Um, mm -hmm. This man feels very... Um, uh, I'm going to use the word official. Um, so what I feel like is he was kind of direct to the point, almost kind of gives me the feeling of military or um, service related. Um, I also feel like, I don't know if you were named after someone, but they're showing me a same name connection. So there was a name passed down. And 
I get a lot of pride with that. Like it's an honor to be named after the person that um, the name was passed on from. I also feel like there's a, um, a lot of things in your family not talked about. So there's a lot of, um, your family is quieter than they should be about their healing and the things that have gone on in the family. Not that there's a lot of secrets, but I don't feel like your family is really open to expressing the things that um, need to be healed. Um, this man that is on the other side that feels like a father or grandfather figure for you is showing me keys. And so I don't know if this means for you that he had a uh, an effect on you, like teaching you how to drive, or if you had a vehicle that was his, but do you understand the key connection? Mm, no, I don't, but okay, I mean, but Harry does. Okay. Give me a second. I, not, it's not for me, for him. Oh, you understand it. I'll leave yeah. it. Then. I'll leave it. I don't have to understand it. Uh, Terry can tell you later, um, but give me a second. I also get the feeling that you learned something about someone after their passing that had you, that made you have more compassion for their life. So I'm going to leave that with you as kind of a feeling of like, when you read this or you understood this, it was kind of like, oh, I understand this person more. Um, and I almost feel like you have more compassion for them through what you learned about their life and their journey. Um, do you also have letters that someone wrote through their life or it's, it feels to me like a woman would have had letters that were written to her from her partner or a boyfriend or a spouse. And you might not have these, but this would be in the family. So I'll leave that with you. And also the month of August is significant. So um, this would be a birthday or a passing or an anniversary date connected to this part of the family, father, grandfather. Um, and you have two children or three? None. Oh, hold on a second. Are you one of three? One of two. Uh, I, no, I you've got two children. Well, yeah, I guess um, not Not my bloodline, but yes. Okay. This is a common occurrence with sitters. You're my sitter right now, right? Is they'll tell me no, but actually just because they're not biological doesn't mean they're not your children. Right. Um, that's a common thing that people do. However, I also feel like you being one of two might be my confirmation that you would have been one of three. I can't tell you that 100% for certain, but I almost feel like this male, the child that is around you, could be a sibling for you that didn't come into the world. So you may or may not know that information. You may be able to figure it out. But I do feel like you've been through some extremely uh, crazy experiences in your life couple of times where you should not have made it through. And I feel like this sibling or this male child has actually watched over you as well as your guardians. But I feel like all along through all the challenges in your life, you were going to be, you are still going to be here. You were always protected because you're not finished and you still have some soul mission uh, work to do yet. You need to teach someone what you do because someone needs to take over for you. And it's someone around you right now that you already know it's a younger person, male. Mm. Um, so I'm not sure where that comes in, but I definitely feel like, have you written your book? No, we keep talking about it, but it's on the docket for this year to get going. Stop messing around with it. Yeah, make time for it. It's important. It's a big part of your journey. 
Yeah, there's a lot of shifts happening right now. So there's going to be different reallocation of time. Let's put it that way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the male for you that passed of the chest, is this dad or grandpa? Father. Okay. Um, I feel like you look a lot like him. And I feel like there's a lot of similarities in your personality too. I definitely feel like he wasn't a real good communicator with emotional things, nope. but he really, really stands behind you with a feeling of accomplishment and pride for the work that you do. So please know that he is always with you. Okay. Cool. Um, give me a second here, Terry. You're one of those people that people uh, sometimes tell you that you're a hard read. Um, Surely not. You, you put up a little bit of boundaries for people because you don't like people in your space. So when, if people tell you you're a hard read, it's because you allow certain people in and you don't allow others. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's because you've had to put protection and boundaries up for yourself. Um, who would be the M name connected to you that's gone? M name. Um, I had a Aunt Marion. Okay. I was going to say the M-A-R sound. So, and Aunt would connect for me. Um, well, M-A-R, I had a daughter. Middle name was Marie. Okay. Your daughter's still living though? Okay. Give me a second. And let me see which way they're going here. Um, you feel like you come from a divided family. And when I say that, it almost feels like, um, different belief systems, or, um, it could be a separation in family that happens through someone's death. Um, I also feel like you've been affected by suicide. And I feel like this is going to be removed from you a little bit, not an immediate family member, but where I'm going to put it out to like cousin or uncle somewhere where it's around you, but not immediate family members. Um, I also feel like there's some of that work of helping people cross over that has to do with suicide. And I feel like that's really the reason spirit got you into that is because a lot of people who take their own life get stuck. It's almost a given that they're not going to go to the light because they were already in a bad place. And I feel like that's a, a special gift or a specialty that you have is helping those people understand it's okay to go to the light. Um, the, the male that would have passed of suicide around you, I'm, again, I'm not sure who that is. I feel like may work with you a little bit on that type of thing. So um, pay attention for that connection. And your daughter was very young when she passed? Well, in her 20s. Okay, give me a second. I may or may not have her. So I'm getting the sensation that you did not get to say goodbye. So did you not get to say goodbye to your daughter? Um, I, I had a lot of conversation with her prior to this. Okay. That's not who it is then. Give me a second. I do feel like it's a female. I do feel like it was someone who passed of a medical condition, but I don't feel like you got the opportunity to say goodbye. So there's this feeling of not having closure at the time of their passing, although I feel like you've had closing now, but I feel like it's someone very close to you. So it would have been a very immediate family member. 
Um, I feel like this woman wouldn't have been very young though. So I feel like this could be an aunt. This could also be a cousin or a sibling or a mom, but I definitely feel like she's older than you. Um, yeah, I had a half sister that died. Okay. And was her head affected? Not that I'm aware of. Okay. So when I feel that connection, it can also be foggy headedness or them not being coherent at the end. So I'll leave it with you as that. But I definitely feel um, this woman uh, makes me feel like you feel very different in the family. So you come from a family who doesn't have the same, necessarily the same beliefs or same background as you, but you paved your own way. And you did that because you came here for that. You bla are blazing a trail that you have no worries about. Like you're burning things down and just going for it. And that's what you're supposed to do. Um, They're telling me that there's a new location for you. And I don't know what this means. Hold on. It's um, it's a physical location that you're going to go that is going to change things for you. So you're going to have an experience there that's going to be mind-blowing, but it's also going to maybe open new doors for you. So I'm not sure what that is. I'm not going to try to interpret that, but I definitely feel like it'll happen within the next three months. So there'll be something pretty amazing that happens. I don't feel like it'll all be exciting either. It might be a little like, holy crap, but um, something good is going to come out of it. Almost like a new strength or a new technique for you. Anything past life-wise? Yeah, let me tap in. Well, my, uh, I want to laugh because I want to say which one you have many, many, many past lives. Um, but I am immediately taken to biblical times and, um, I feel like you had a very, uh, how do I explain this in words? Powerful. Um, very pure energy, um, well, well known is what I want to say, inspirational, like you made an impact on, on the world that is, um, still felt today and almost kind of like what you're doing now, but just in a different capacity, but you, you definitely have a reputation and that lifetime was really like it was the one for you. Everything else you're doing now is really for everyone else. Yeah, that that lifetime is well known. Yeah, I feel that. I feel very pure energy though uh, for you in that lifetime. Very pure, very connected. Um, doesn't get much more high vibrational than that. Yeah, that would be correct. Mm -hmm. <laughs> So yeah, it was one of those. Yeah. So that has come up a multitude of times. So you're dead on, dead on. You with might, that. You so. might even have uh, birthmarks or scars in this lifetime that connect to that lifetime. So pay attention to that too. Will do. Will do. Yeah. That was a interesting life 
for sure, but one that's written about. Are you writing about that? No, I'm not writing about that lifetime because I don't want people showing up at my doorstep. If that makes sense. I really uh, feel like behind the curtains, I can do better work uh, for people because I'm not living that life anymore. I'm living another life, but I'm using those skill sets from that life to apply to this in a more covert fashion. Although here we're on a podcast, so how covert is that? But um, yes, that, that's that's always been a challenge. Do you release that information or do you not? Tommy knows what that is. And there's probably about 50 people on the planet at this point that knows what that lifetime was. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, uh, I'm somewhat reluctant uh, to say that I want to come out with that. Well, I'll simplify it and say you were a healer. Mm-hmm. who opened a lot of people's eyes mm-hmm. and you came back in this lifetime to be a healer, to open a lot of people's eyes. So even though the lifetimes will be different, the work is the same. Yes. Very, very, very true. And uh, I guess the question becomes if anybody on the other side, um, meaning spirit, archangels, whatever, thinks it's time to release some of that information yeah, I'd like to hear their commentary if they have one. Well, let me let me feel into that because I I kind of maybe feel like they have something for you on that. So here here's my feeling about it. Is there a book that you are supposed to write? 100% yes. I'm not going to lie to you. You are supposed to write that book about that lifetime. But I also feel like that isn't something that is to be published at this time. And I feel like in the right timing, it will be published. But I feel like you should be working on that now. The memories, um, the truthfulness about it that isn't told today. Um and a lot of things that you can share with people that will help them understand things better. So I do feel like you should write it, but I don't think it's meant to be published now, but I definitely feel like the angels will let you know when the timing is right. Yeah. I, of course, do automatic writing too. So that kind of lets it all flow because I do get regular, whenever I wish, um, illuminations is what I call them. And they're oftentimes prophetic or they're for a particular person, or, you know, it, it's a broad selection, but it's almost written Shakespearean English, yeah. uh, biblical. Uh, it comes out that way. It's very much tied to connections made during that time period. Yeah. It's pretty fascinating, actually, from taking the 36,000 foot view, looking at it and understanding. And I, th- I think, you know, I, you know, in my doctoral dissertation, I spoke about reincarnation. I, in, in other words, I had to prove certain aspects. And, um, you know, so I use that experience to be able to dig really deep into reincarnation because I really feel like the way to higher levels of consciousness is through the understanding that reincarnation is real. Because if you read the Bible or any other text and you don't read it for with reincarnation in mind, it doesn't make any sense. 
it's very confusing. But if you plug in reincarnation into the text, even though the text has been manipulated many times, there's still enough truth in there that you will go, oh, that's what that means. Aha, I see. And it gives you that freedom to understand you don't have one life. You've got your soul is immensely tied to infinity and beyond, as Buzz Lightyear would say, you are going to live forever in a spirit sense. You're just incarnating in this bag of bones to have experiences and to hopefully assist other people while you're here, but it is ultimately your experience to, to live. And there's the only judgment you're going to have is the judgment you place upon yourself. Yeah. And so the people that are fearful need to realize that that is in fact the case. Uh, and the, the archangels, if you will, I believe that they are a, uh, they can, the energy of God, they're a face of God. And I, I explain it to people that, and this is my way of doing it. Everybody has their own. And I respect that is you have using Danny Joe, you have a face, you know, a mother face, you have a potentially wife face, you have a worker face, you have a daughter face. They're all you. And so the archangels have those, the seven supposed archangels have the different faces of God, the healer face of God, the justice face of God, blah, 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 on down the line, you know? And so when you want to manifest that stuff coming forward and you call upon that, you have that energy available to you and you can manifest that energy in the situation that you're in because that's what's needed at the time. Uh, because when I've done healing, because I'm a Reiki master and all that kind of stuff and when I've done some healing, I've had people around that are psychic mediums and so forth, and they have seen me turn entirely green um, with energy. And then there's other times when I'm doing more in your face justice related stuff, I turn blue, you know, and, uh, you know, there's so I believe it's just an adjustment of your frequency for what you need to do at the time. And, you know, if you get above that, you can go, you know, the white light. I've actually, and this is an interesting, I don't know if you've seen this before, uh, and I've been, this has been reported to me multiple times that I disappear, turn into white light and I disappear and they cannot see me uh, while I'm just sitting. And that's happened numerous times. Mm -hmm. And it's just, and I, the, I give an explanation for that, but I'm always looking for other people's input, but the face goes first and then the upper chest goes, they might see the lower body, but the, the, it's gone. I mean, and I, I give people credit for their ability to see that actually transpiring that it's their higher self. They're, they're getting to the higher frequencies so they can actually see that. And if I can do that personification or morphing or whatever you want to call it, uh, then great. It, it, but it's really, I think for the benefit of the, the watcher rather than for me, I mean, I don't know what you think about something like that. No, I agree. I um, I will channel my spirit guides sometimes for a group that I teach and they will see the face change, the colors change. Um, I think it's just as those energies are in your energy field or your vibration is that high of the white light, it's just uh, encompasses you. And so some people are open to seeing it and some aren't. And, you know, it's, it's very much those senses we have that are not just the physical senses that see the colors and the vibration. I see the earth in front of me move like that when there's a vibration and it's not, it's not always fun because it's startling because I have to focus my eyes again. Right. But those are just senses that we use to see different things. And yeah. 
yeah, it's. So it's, you're, you're practicing a Native American life. Has that come through for you a lot? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I had an old English lifetime as well. And uh, that those two seems to come through for you primarily as things that you're utilizing a lot. You're pulling from both of those things and kind of almost because the, the old English life was like uh, what we call a witch uh, kind of thing, you know, herbalist, witch, that kind of stuff. And then, then the Native American thing was very shamanistic. And I see those two energies coming together. And you're using those. There's others and because you're a pretty good mix, but those at least from here. And then there's a female that stands behind you too. Um, and she is, uh, is kind of off to your right. And, uh, but she's an older female and it's either gray hair or blonde hair. I don't know which, but, and she seems to be um, a little stouter, you know, and I, I didn't talk to her. I just was been watching. So I don't know. You probably know who that is. Um, but she seems to be with you a lot and loves to hang out and help you do work and so forth. Yeah. Does that sound sound about right? Yep. Either grandmother or mom or both. Yep. Yeah. This feels like grandmother to me. Yeah. If I was going to guess. She was a witch. Yeah. So there you go. Pretty cool stuff, huh? Yeah. You know, and I, and as we do this, I know the people that are listening can't see us, and that's okay. And it and you know, but you notice that we're both very calm. We're very relaxed. Your mind has to be very relaxed and willing to take the input that comes from the other side and spit it out. And you may be, you know, when you're learning, you may be wrong, you know, but ultimately, as I tell people from, if you're going to go see a psychic medium, which I would recommend Danny's, she's obviously very good. There were two demonstrations here. Um, you know, if you can get them above 70 percentile of correct, that's pretty damn high. And I, I've seen people get up into the 90 percentile. Um, and some days you're more on than other days. And you know that. I mean, um, but ethically, I hope that people, if you uh, happen to be a psychic medium, that you ethically step back. If you're not connecting that day for whatever reason, just give the person their money back or just say, let's re reschedule this for another day, something like that. I hate to have somebody try to push a round peg in a square hole when it's just not working that day. Uh, and we see a lot of that in, in this field. And that's where people who tune in get a bad name uh, because of somebody who's money-driven. And that's really challenging. Absolutely. I think there's a lot of factors too. I always tell my students, you're never wrong because mediumship is interpretation. You can't just open a book and read the facts. You have to understand it, feel it through your own experience. So just a quick, for instance, I had a guy who was giving a, a burning feeling on my back. And the only thing I could really liken it to was like getting a tattoo, right? This burning feeling, but he actually burned in a helicopter crash. Well, that's not in my wheelhouse of experience. I've never known anyone to die that way. So it would not come into me as familiar, but here's also a, a, a tip for mediums, right? Give what you're getting. Don't try to interpret it. The right. burning sensation on my back. That's all I had to give. Right. So these are things you learn as you go is get your logical mind out of the way. Don't try to be the one who fixes it, who knows it all. Just give the information and let it be. Fantastic. Well, let's wrap this up. We really, really delved into a lot of things. Fascinating, fascinating. So uh, Tommy, you want to get any wrap up, wrap up uh, statements? Yeah, I think it was uh, a great that you were able to join us today, you know, going down all these rabbit holes and sharing your experience. That's huge. And obviously it was meant to be that uh, 
week down in Florida to make the connection and get you up here to get your message out to everybody. And it's huge. So thank you. Oh, gosh. Thank you. It's been my pleasure, truly. Anything you want to leave our uh, listeners with, Danny? You know, if I could just share one thing with uh, anybody who's listening is to know that you also have so much power within you. And when you start to open up to that, you'll really live the life that you desire. And um, don't be afraid of whatever that path holds. Fantastic. I want to give them your contact information. So if people want to contact you for a reading or, or they have ghost adventures that need to be dealt with. Yeah, absolutely. So you can find me at psychicmediumdannyjoe.com. You can also uh, give us a call at our store, uh, 605-569-1417. That's the Sacred Soul Store in Spearfish, South Dakota. Um, and same uh, with the email, psychicmediumdannyjoe at gmail.com. Fantastic. Well, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for coming on. It, it was a fantastic meeting you in Florida. I knew we would hook up and, and this is this is the day to do it. And we, we will do more. I'm quite sure of that. And I'm, I got a feeling we'll be working together on some other issues as time goes forward. So uh, thank you very much. And uh, for all our listeners, what a fantastic guest today. And uh, reach out to her. All of her information will be linked up on our website, uh, the metaphysicalmysteries.com, and you can make contact there. So from all of us here at the Metaphysical Mysteries, we thank you for listening, and we will see you next time.